Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. So sad morning. I'm going to tell you why. Everybody go, this is a sad morning, because this is number seven. It's the final message in our series that we've called Uncharted. And I'm so excited about this morning's message. Seriously, uh, we're going to unpack some things, but this, this is one of my favorite accounts in the whole Bible, and we're going to uh, dive right into that. On the island of Malta in the Mediterranean Sea, and some of you have been there, there is a museum, and in that museum, and it's near St. Thomas's Bay, named after the St. Saint, Saint Thomas, before Doubting Thomas, and in that museum, tucked away in the back of that museum, there's four anchors. And these anchors were discovered in 1960 by divers that dove down just off of a, a, a sandbar. And they came up with these anchors. One of them has an Egyptian uh, inscription on it from the twin gods that the Egyptians worship. It's uh, of Egyptian origin, obviously. And if these anchors could talk, they would tell you an incredible story about... 2,000 years ago, there was a shipwreck at that very spot. And they would tell you about a ship that had 276 exactly passengers on it. Most of those were prisoners. It was a grain ship. It was carrying grain from Egypt, from Alexandria to Rome. It was supposed to get to Rome, but it never made it. These anchors, if they could talk, they would tell you an incredible account of what happened on that fateful day. In fact, the two weeks that uh, they were in a storm of cyclonic dimensions, a hurricane storm if you're in the northern hemisphere. And they would tell a story in particular about one person that was on board that ship, and his name was Paul. We would know him as Paul the Apostle. And how Paul knew about this, what was going on, and Paul was a prisoner by choice, not a prisoner like the other uh, 270 or so prisoners, but Paul was a prisoner by choice on his way to Rome by choice to have an audience with Caesar. And I want to pick that up in, uh, in the book of Acts chapter 27. And uh, these will come up and you can follow along if you want to in, in, your, uh, in your Bible. But it's amazing the detail that the author of Acts, who is the physician Luke, he wrote uh, Acts, would have been on board that ship with another man named Aristarchus. And of course, Paul. And I've called this message this morning anchored, because if those four anchors could talk, they would tell you something. And we're going to look at what I believe that they would tell you this morning. In uh, Acts chapter 27, you see the Apostle Paul going from a very chartered life. He's got the charts of his life laid out. He's a, a, a Jew in Rome, uh, sorry, in Jerusalem. It's all mapped out for him if he stays that course, but he has a radical encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and his whole course changed to, from charted to uncharted. And he steps into this by choice, like I said. If he only conformed, he could have been somebody, but he has a mission to take the gospel from Jerusalem to Rome. In the natural, he was not a, a, a prisoner. He was a free man, but by choice, he becomes a prisoner. In Acts chapter 27, in verse 9, we're going to read some of this, but not all of it, because 
uh, of time. But in Acts chapter uh, 27, verse 9, much time had been lost, and sailing had become, already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So it, it, it gives us the time, which is roughly the month of October, and seas change, seasons change as it's going into winter, winds pick up. It's a very dangerous time to sail in the northern hemisphere. And so it says that, uh, so Paul warned them, verse 10, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo. Now, you got to remember that this was not a passenger vessel that they were on. They uh, changed ships, and they were on a cargo vessel loaded with grain. So it wasn't like a, a cruise ship, which was made for passengers' comfort. This was a, a very uncomfortable thing for uh, the 276 people. That's quite a, a big uh, group of people and you know, a very big church if it was a church. And uh, they're all loaded on this relatively small ship. And he says, it's going to be a disaster. It's going to... It's going to bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our lives also. Not, not really good news. Most of us don't want to hear from a pessimist. I, I remember I, I heard uh, Elon Musk say this. He says, uh, I'd rather be an optimist that was wrong than a, a pessimist who was right. And so he's bringing this. And, 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 uh, but the centurion, verse 11, the centurion, now this is a Roman centurion. He's in charge of a legion of of, of troops in the, in the Roman army. This is a, a real commander. He's of the Augustinian regiment, uh, the Bible tells us. Quite a prominent uh, man of authority, a Roman legion, and, and a centurion, so he's a leader of leaders. He's the captain of the ship. He's the one that's going to call the shots on this voyage. And instead of listening to Paul, what Paul said, he followed the advice of the pilot, or in other words, the helmsman, and the owner of the ship. So we identify here four different people right away that are in a, somewhat have a voice on, on that ship. We, we identify firstly the centurion. Again, he's the captain. He's got one mission. He's got an agenda, and that's to get these prisoners to Rome. He's not so much interested in the cargo as in the grain. It's not his ship. He's not gaining any profit for it. He's there. He's on a mission. He's a soldier. Get the prisoners to Rome. That's, that's in his mind. It, whatever it takes, we're going there. And then the next person that's mentioned there is, is the owner of the ship. The owner of a ship has the agenda to make a profit. He's paid for the ship. I don't know what kind of insurance policies they had back then, but uh, he wants to get that ship to Rome, offload the cargo, and get the money. Thank you. He's got an agenda, and that's to make a profit and not to lose his ship. And then we see the helmsman, and uh, they didn't have a rudder on this particular ship. I researched it, but they had like two big oars at the back uh, of the ship. And this man's responsibility was not his own agenda. His agenda was whatever the, the, the centurion, the captain, tells him to do, whatever direction that we're supposed to go, that's his job, steer the ship. And, and then finally, the fourth person that's, that's here is the Apostle Paul. 
And Paul has an agenda, and Paul's agenda is God's agenda. Paul is taking orders not from the centurion, not from the owner of the ship, but Paul's agenda is to follow God, to obey God. We've got to get to Rome. I am going to Rome. An angel had appeared to him way back in, uh, in Acts chapter 23 and, and says, you must go to Rome. You've got to preach the gospel there. You've got to get your audience before Caesar. He'd already had an audience before uh, the governors, Felix and Festus and some of these other uh, Roman uh, officers. And now he says, I, I demand that I go to Rome. So they're on their way to Rome, but they're going to encounter this huge, horrific storm. Do you know, there's no way in life that we're going to get away with no storms. You're either Going into a storm, going through a storm, or you've come out of a storm. There's, there's no way that any of us are going to escape the storm. But in that storm, there are voices. There are voices from well-meaning friends. There are voices from society. There are oh, so many voices now on social media. Uh, the voices of conspiracy theories and, you know, the voices of government. There's voices all, all around. The question is, who are you going to listen to? Because it's not so much what you're going through that's going to determine the outcome or your destiny. It's who you listen to as you're going through that storm. And so I want to identify for us four anchors that are voices that you can listen to that will stabilize and give you some traction and give you some, uh, some way to bring stability into your life in the middle of the uncharted, in the middle uh, of a storm. So these four anchors that we're going to look at this morning are there to help you stabilize your life as you're going through the storm so that you know, I must listen to these voices and I must at least nail these four things. And these four things are all uh, in this uh, particular account here, and they're critical in the middle of a storm. They all begin with D except one, but it's got D in it so that you can remember it. And uh, So I want to give these things to you. I think about if, uh, if uh, on a ship like the one they were on, probably the most uh, unglamorous piece of equipment, if you will, would have been an anchor. Again, if the anchor could talk, if the anchor was personified, I, I know one thing the anchor would probably say, quit throwing me in the water and trying to drown me, for goodness sakes. <laughs> and, and if the anchor could talk, what a life. You know, the water's cold, the water's deep. Got to go down there into the unknown. Uh, if, if, the, if the anchor were a person, it would be a terrible job to have. If these anchors could talk, this is what they would tell you uh, in the middle of the storm. I heard about this particular um, seafaring student that was going through his, trying to get his uh, seafarer's license. And uh, so he goes before the instructor, the old, the old instructor who had been a, a you know, a, a, a skipper and had been a sailor all of his life. And he's going to give the final exam for this particular student. And then he says to the student, okay, you're in the boat. He says, we go out, there's a big storm, it's coming up. It's a category one. That's big. What are you going to do? And the young man goes, sir, I, I throw out an anchor. He goes, okay, fair enough. It's a category two now. It's even bigger. The waves are, are, are about to crash over the ship. This, this is like, uh, you know, 50, 60 knot winds. What are you going to do now, son? Sir, I'd throw out another anchor. 
Okay, fair enough. Well, now we go to category two. This thing's got 100 kilometer an hour winds. The waves are crashing well and truly over, over the ship. What are you going to do now, son? Sir, I throw out another anchor. The old guy says, where are you getting all these anchors from, son? He says, the same place that you're getting all these storms from. <laughs> and sometimes, I think that was a better joke than your laugh, but that's okay. Doesn't worry me at all. Just keep on going. <laughs> so... When you're in the storm, who are you going to listen to? The four anchors. Number one is the anchor of decisiveness. Make a decision. Do you know, there's nothing worse than being indecisive, in my opinion. I like what somebody had said. I forget who it was, but I think it was the CEO of Nike. And he said this. He said, uh, solve it right or solve it wrong. But solve it. Either way, make a decision. Every time that you're going to decide on something, you know this could be a wrong decision. And so we don't. We back up and don't make a decision, which is the same thing as making a decision. And indecisiveness all the time, that voice of indecisiveness. What if I make a mistake? What if I make the wrong choice? What if I choose door number A, but it should have been door number B? And so there's instability in our life. I like what James said. He talks about if you, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Listen to what he says next. Because one who doubts is like a wave blown and tossed by the wind. Let that person expect nothing from God because they are unstable in all that they do. There has to be a decisive voice that rises up from the inside of you. Make the call. Make the call. Choose, choose one way. Choose the other. Just do, make a decision. In this case, they made the wrong decision. They didn't listen to the voice of Paul. They listened to the centurion, and he was thinking about, got to get these prisoners. This doesn't make sense. Why would we stay in this port any longer? And so verse 12, the harbor was unstable in winter. The majority decided. That's the way most of us make decisions. We go by popular opinion. We get a consensus, a committee going. We go by they. You know, they are saying that. And if you go that way, you make your decision just based upon what they are saying, whatever that is, then you're probably going to miss it. You're going to be wrong. Sometimes the decision that you have to make is, in fact, most of the time, being honest, is a hard call. It means you're going to throw away popularity. It means that you're going to walk into uncharted. You're going to, you're going to having made that decision, you're going to walk in a place that makes your knees jittery and buckle and, and takes your breath away. And some of the decisions that you'll make in life, they're going to cause you uh, great anxiety. If this thing doesn't work out, I'm gone. I'm done. But make the call. Make the decision. What is it right now in your life that you're just putting it off? You just... You just can't make the decision. You know what the right decision is, but you just won't make it. Well, ask of God and then come to the decision and don't be indecisive. The majority decided that we should sail on, uh, hoping to reach Phoenix, another port in winter there. It was a harbor in Crete facing both north, southwest and northwest. Verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow. Oh, watch the gentle south wind. Sometimes, oh, that's confirmation. That's confirmation that I, I made a, a compromised decision. I listened to they, but boy, isn't this sweet now? 
Uh, it just seems like everything's starting to work out. So a gentle south wind begins to blow, and they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor, and they sailed along the shore of Crete. Now, I don't have time to go into this, but if you grab a map, you can study, and you can look at all of these islands, uh, you know, where all of these things are. And, and, and so they're, they're going, trying to stay on the lee side or the, out of the wind side of the island of Crete, and they're sailing along, verse 14, but very, but very long wind of hurricane force called a northeaster. So this, this wind starts howling down from, from the northeast, and it sweeps across the island. The ship's trying to stay on the other side of that, verse 15, but the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. Now, this particular ship only had one big mainsail. It didn't have a jib and uh, other sails, so it couldn't tack. It didn't have the ability, like now, uh, a sailing vessel can go into the wind just by, by tacking and, uh, and maneuvering. But this only, they put that sail up, <laughs> whichever way the wind's blowing, it's going to take this thing. You got the guy in the back with the two oars, you know, not really a rudder. He's trying to steer this thing. And, and, and this giant storm comes up. They couldn't head into the wind, verse 16. So we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, where we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. And the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship, trying to undergird it so the timbers didn't fall apart uh, and to hold it together because they were afraid that they would run aground uh, on the sandbars of, of Sirtis. Now that's near, that's on the north side of Africa. It's uh, uh, technically like where Egypt is. So they're being driven towards North Africa from uh, where they are in the Mediterranean. And they're worried about hitting that and it's going to be all over. So they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. That anchor again is just to drag it to slow it down. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Now the owner's probably going, great, there's my profit right there. I'll be lucky if I keep the ship that cost me everything. But now the grain uh, starts to go overboard. They threw the tackle. On the third day, the ship's tackle, that's tables, chairs, everything that they had for fishing, all that goes overboard. Verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We're going to find out that they were two solid weeks in this hurricane conditions on this small ship. That's a long time to be tossed like tempest, uh, you know, waves crashing over, uh, fearing for their lives, not, not being able to eat. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. These people navigated by the stars. They, the way they knew where they were going is they look up in the sky. If it was clear, they could tell which direction at nighttime. Uh, they had different instruments, and they would measure that. They'd know where they were going. They can't even get their bearings. They are totally in uncharted ground. That might be where you're at right now. I don't know. If you've lost your bearings, you're, you're in the middle of, of, of a sky that's clouded over. You've got winds howling against you. Everything is break. All hell is breaking loose in your life, and this is for you. And listen to what Paul says there. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice. Now, I don't think it was an I told you so deal. I don't see that in the Apostle Paul. Nobody likes somebody that tells, that says, Yeah, I told you so, if you'd have listened to me. <laughs> you know, it wasn't one of those moments, but 
He's trying to say to them, look, there is a voice that I have heard from the voice of God. Now, I am just telling you what God says. Now, if you'd have listened to me, you would have listened to God and God would have steered us out of this, but you didn't do it. You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete and then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now, that was then, verse 22, but now I urge you, keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Figure that one out. You're all going to make it, but the ship isn't going to make it. The ship's going to be destroyed. I'd be thinking, how, well, wait a minute, we're out in the middle of this ocean, and, uh, you know, we are so dependent on this ship. It's kind of like being way out in outer space in a spaceship, and, uh, you know, you're all going to make it, but the spacecraft's going to be destroyed. How, how does that work? Tell me how that one flies. I don't get it. There are a lot of ships in your life that are going to be destroyed, but you're not going to be destroyed. You know, there are friendships that you're into right now that shouldn't be in your life. I had a lot of friendships that weren't really friends. You know, the saying that really applies to this, this whole account in the, in the waters, uh, uh, you know, uh, fair weather friends. <laughs> When the, when the sailing is nice, the soft south wind is blowing, they're all there. They're patting you on the back. Atta boy, atta girl. Ah, oh, there's nothing like having a little Bible study with you. There are friendships that are going to get destroyed for you to get over to where you got to go. There are also partnerships. People that you should have never partnered with because they weren't partners, even though they called you a partner back where I come from. Hey, partner. Hey, buddy. How's it going? You get in because you got so much in common. You both don't like the boss. That's a big one to base a relationship on. I've watched people get all wrapped up in, in the companies where I worked in adulterous situations because they had so much in common. You too don't like the boss. Me neither. So let's get together, have some coffees, talk about that common thing that we have, and form some kind of a, a partnership. Well, that, that ship has to, has to be destroyed for you to survive. There are, there are, there's only one ship that needs to go over that you need to be in, and that's the Lordship of, of Jesus Christ. And sometimes God's sailing vessel is hardship. Paul's, Paul's, the vessel that, that Paul was on, the ship that God chose to get Paul to Rome was the ship of hardship. He was, his incarceration was his transportation. You know, it's easy for us in the middle of a storm, in the middle of hardship, in the middle of, of opposition, in the middle of transformation, to not see that the transformation is your transportation because God is more interested in your transformation to learn how to love, to learn how to forgive, to learn how to get along with people, to stay the course, to stay the mission. God is way more interested in that than how, how cruisy the ship is that you're on. And some of the ships have to be destroyed that we have in our life. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I know this is not good news, is it? This is like, oh my goodness. Number two, second anchor, smile, say you love me, even though I've told you something that's true but not, not, not easy, is the anchor of identity. Listen to verse 23. Last night, an angel of God, get this bit, to whom I belong, and to whom I serve, stood beside me. 
See, slaves belong to Caesar. 270 plus of those people on board there, they belonged to Caesar. They belonged to Rome. They were criminals of some kind. Paul, albeit a prisoner, was a free man. Isn't it amazing how God chooses a prisoner, somebody that's bound to loose a whole nation and to go to Rome, the seat of power of that time, the, the world power of that time, how God chooses someone that's a, that's a prisoner that's bound to loose a whole nation. He was a, a, a prisoner on the outside, but he was a free man on the inside. Oh, don't, 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 don't you mistake my chains for, 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 for being bound and not, and not doing God's will. Don't you think for a moment that, that just because I'm a prisoner on the ship, that I'm not totally free and totally in the will of God. You are going to find out just how much in the will of God that I am. Whatever it is that's got you right now, your identity might be in your job. But listen to me, your job doesn't own you. God owns you. Your identity might be in what people or they say about you. But, but you need to take that back right now because you don't belong to the opinion of other people. You belong to God, and God's opinion is where you need to put an anchor down, and you need to stand on that. You need to get firm on that. You need to get your identity back. I am a child of God, and to whom I belong is the one that controls my life. He's the one that I listen to. He's the opinion that I really care about. Your opinion, I don't really care about your opinion all that much, to be honest, unless it lines up with God's opinion. Identity is something that's not up for grabs. Identity is an anchor. You belong to somebody. You don't belong to the economy. You don't belong to the pandemic. You don't belong to society. You don't belong to people's opinions. You belong to God, and what God owns, God looks after. Establish your identity. Number three, the anchor of destiny. You got this? Number one was decision. Begins with D. Number two, identity. This third anchor is the anchor of destiny. You have a destiny. Sometimes, you know, you need to say to the devil when he's attacking you and trying to throw you off course, I've got a destiny, devil. I'm, I'm on a mission from God. It wasn't the Blues Brothers that started that whole thing. I've got a destination. I'm here by choice on this ship. And yes, it's going through hardship, but I've got a destination, and it's to get to Rome to preach the gospel. I am a preacher prisoner, but I am a preacher before I'm a prisoner. I am going to Rome. It's my destiny to get there. And devil, you're not going to stop me. Because my identity is in God, and so is my destiny. My destination is in God as well. Listen to what uh, verse 24 says. And he said, do not be afraid, this angel. Do not be afraid, Paul. Oh, I like this next bit. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously, graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. You know what stuck out to me is you must stand. Is there anything that you're standing for right now? Or are you just kind of standing for nothing, just drifting along? Uh, you know, I don't want to make any waves. I don't want to lose my fair weather friends. What are you standing for right now? You must stand before Caesar. You, you must 
Stand. You, you, is there a must stand in your life right now? Something that you are standing up for? It might be social justice. It might be for the weak, for the poor, for those underprivileged people. There must be a must stand in your life. Something like an anchor that you are standing on because in the middle of the sea, there's nothing to grab a hold of. You're being tossed all over the place. The winds are blowing. There's nothing to be uh, grab a hold of. It's got you. There has to be an anchor in your life, a voice that says, stand up right now. Stand up for God. St take a stand against that. Take a stand for that. What is it in your life right now that you are standing for? One way of, uh, of kind of knowing what you're standing for is what, what you can't stand. What is it that you can't stand? I can't stand, I, I got a whole list of things that I can't stand, <laughs> right? Well, I'm not going to go into uh, but I can't stand people being taken advantage of. It just wrecks me. I almost threw a guy at McDonald's because he was abusing this poor 16-year-old girl, giving her such a hard time, and I got so upset to where I stood up. I told him, he said, one more word to her. I'm a pastor, for goodness sake. I said, one more word to her. You're going through that window. Do you understand me? Just, just open your mouth, and you're going through the window. He called the police on me, took my... My license plate, the police didn't do anything, thank goodness, you know, but, uh, but I was also thinking next day in the paper, pastor throws God through window, kills guy. But I got so angry. You know, it was over a cup of tea. Oh, the tea's, this, this tea's too cold. So she takes it back, come here, sir. Next, it's too hot, what are you doing? And then, you know, there's nothing this poor child could do to make this Grump, grumple bum happy. And I, I just got, I just, I'm watching, I'm there to just have a really meditative time, have a coffee. You know, sometimes the caffeine gets into me. <laughs> just being honest. It's the Christian drug of choice, isn't it? It's in the end of me, you know, I'm kind of getting riled a bit here. And then he's blubbering on. It's like, you know, so what do you stand? What, what can't you stand? So what are you standing for? Your stand is an anchor to your destiny. Number four, and we're going to close in a moment. Number four, the fourth anchor is the anchor of determination. Number 20, uh, verse 25. So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Oh, I love that. The some island that they're going to run aground on happens to be the same island that I talked about at the very beginning where there's a museum with four anchors in it. It's called the Isle of Malta. We must run aground on some island. God doesn't say we must run aground on Malta. He doesn't give them too much information. This is, this is all you really need to know right now. You're going to run aground on this island, and the island has a reason. There's a reason for you to be doing this. So on the 14th night, they're still driven by the Adriatic Sea. Uh, I'll just keep going with this. Fearing, verse 29, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped, guess what? Four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Exactly where these divers found these four anchors in that museum today is what happened right back here. Those four anchors got dropped and, and, and these four voices, these anchors need to be dropped into your soul. And you need to realize right now that you've got 
uh, to make some decisions in your life and some ships are going to be destroyed as a result of that. And you've got to reestablish your identity and then you've got to get your destiny back where it belongs in God, child of God, daughter of God, son of God, to whom I belong. Take a stand for that and then have the determination to follow through. It's, got, it's not going to be easy. There's nothing. Every, you know, oh, if it's a green door, if it's easy, then it must be good. No, no, there is no door. Usually the things that God's called me to do, there wasn't even a door. I've got to kick it down. But boy, am I glad I did. Oh, faith and everything gets woven into this, but determination, dogged determination. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, verse uh, 31, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. These guys wanted to go overboard. They wanted to uh, hijack it out of there stealth-wise. They're going to get into a lifeboat, scurry away to land and, and uh, avoid the shipwreck. And Paul sees it going on. He says, unless everybody stays in the ship, we're talking about the fellowship now. And I believe this is a great metaphor of the church. There's a time to cut and run, but usually it's not, not cut and run when things get difficult in church life, which they do because you got all these other prisoners coming in that get, get set free and not a nice place to be. I wouldn't want to be in prison with a bunch of people, but you know what? The church is a hospital. The church is somewhat like a prison. All these dysfunctional people, hello, get thrown in one place and, and we're all works in progress. We're all being transformed. We're all imperfect. Society's messed you up. The church is trying to fix you up. And guess who gets the blame? The church. I don't go to church, why not? It's full of hypocrites. Well, yeah, okay. It's got liars in there, adulterers. It's got people that have killed people mentally, maybe even physically, I don't know. But who messed them up? It was society, it wasn't the church. You can't blame the hospital for the sick people. Of course they're sick people, it's a hospital. Maybe you need to get, you know, I don't know, like figure it out, my goodness. But you get thrown in, he says, if you don't stay in that ship, you're going to be destroyed. Everybody that stays in that ship is going to make it. Things are going to get tough. There's going to be hardships in there. But determination is perseverance, whatever it takes to get to the destination. I like what James says. He says, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That's determination. Verse 4 of James 1. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. That's the goal, not lacking anything. The breaking produces the blessing. It wasn't until Jesus broke the bread that it began to mul multiply. And some of us need to be broken in some areas so that God can bless us and start to multiply what he wants to do through you. You've got to be broken. Some ships, again, need to be broken off. But the hardships, the hardships, usually the vessel, that God wants to use to take you through. Paul was so familiar with this. He says, one time I, was, uh, I had rocks hurled at me. They stoned me. Three times I was in the sea. This wasn't his first disastrous voyage. Three times he had shipwrecks. One time, he says, he was in the sea for a day and a whole night, like with nothing to cling to. This is a man that was familiar with hardship, but he kept on going. Why? Because he was determined to fulfill the destiny and, and, and let God bring him to where God wanted him to go. In the end, that some island was the Isle of Malta. And on that island where they all ended up, 
was the governor, the Roman governor of that island named Publius. Publius got saved. His father got, got healed. Paul laid hands on the man. The guy got healed. Then it says in, in uh, it's in Acts chapter 28, you can read it on your own leisure, but the whole island, they brought all the sick and every one of them got healed. And the end result of that history records is that Malta was the first Western country or Western place to become Christian because they got shipwrecked on that island because Paul wouldn't, for, wouldn't forfeit his destiny because Paul had some anchors. He was anchored by the Lord. I'd like the worship team to come up, thanks. So where are you at right now in your life? And maybe you're in a storm, maybe you're not in a storm right now, but there could be one coming and maybe you're coming out of one. The winds are starting to blow. Seas are getting choppy. It might be because of COVID-related stuff, but it might not be. What relationships have you got going right now that you just know that's not the ship that's going to take me anywhere in a destiny? I think I need to uh, let that one go. Sometimes it's the only way that God can get through and God can get us on the right course is to let the ship be destroyed. Where are you right now? It's between you and God, but I'm going to pray. If you're listening online, same question for you, wherever you're at in this world. You might be going through some hardship right now and despising that and going, man, like if there's a God, how come he doesn't just take me out of this, make it all go away? Because if he did that, he couldn't do in you and through you what he wants to do. Sometime you just need to go through it. Watch what God does on the other side. No, I've been through many. But I can honestly say at the end of every one of them, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I come out a much stronger person and other people benefit as a result. I'm gonna pray for you right now. I'd like you to bow your head. If you wanna pray this prayer together, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'd like you to pray this prayer right now because the first ship that you need to be in is the Lordship of Jesus Christ in the fellowship with the other saints. So if that's you and you wanna pray this prayer out loud with us, or you're online right now watching I invite you to pray this prayer. It's very simple, not a formula. It's just a heartfelt prayer or cry out to God. So say this along with me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your Son into my world. Jesus, save me. I give you my life, and I thank you for forgiving me of all of my sin. Amen. Well, if that's you, uh, congratulations for giving your heart to Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're here, we want to get you started. We want to give you a free Bible and some material to get going. There's other people here uh, that would love to help you discover the truths of, of your faith and the decision that you made. If you haven't been water baptized, please let us know. We'd love to see you take that step of baptism. Uh, if you're online, if you have a, a home church and you've given your heart to the Lord, please go tell your pastor and tell the people there in your church. If you don't have one, uh, there are some great churches probably near you in whatever city or town that you're in. I really encourage you to uh, look one up. If you don't uh, know what to look for, just send us an email. It's city-church.net or uh, you'll find our, our email address will come up. Uh, you can visit our website. Just uh, 
send me an email. We will help you find a church in your area, no matter where you are in the world. Tune in next week. We're going to learn about love. Amen. God bless you, and thank you so much for being part of our service today. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.